0: Again, last week was so uplifting uh, together as a congregation, and then parent commitment uh, Sunday this morning. And uh, for the parents to be able to make a commitment like that, and then for our church body to be able to make a commitment to the parents, there's just a wonderful sense of the way life should be. And yet, and I know this is a little bit of truth telling here, and maybe a little hard to hear. But, you know, during COVID and then coming out of COVID, many family units left us. And it's just been pointed out to me several times that uh, our directory needs updating quite badly. And I was thinking, for those of you who were here, if you think back to the last time, it wasn't called Parent Commitment. Sunday but it was called Children's Dedication Sunday and at that time the congregation made a pledge to the families and to the young children and I have to stop and ask myself have the families that left thought twice about the commitment that they made to these young families up here, and now they're gone. And all of the fallout in our society, and we're seeing this everywhere, has ported over massively into the church. And sometimes, maybe for good reason, there are a lot of frustrating things in churches. And I would say that we as a congregation, and that me, myself as a leader, have been ghosted by many, familiar with that term, popular on social media. They just left. They didn't say goodbye. In fact, we can't catch up with them. I think it's damaging to the psychology of a church. And I suspect that we're still coming through it, and frankly, by your presence here this morning, maybe coming through it much better than many, many congregations. But it's much like losing a family member who leaves for unexplained reasons and nobody quite knows why and refuses to come to family events. And that just hurts. But of course, it's true in corporate world as well, and so we're all familiar by now with the news of the great resignation that has happened to many, many, many businesses. And now we're hearing another term. If you've been paying attention to the news, if not, I'll inform you just a bit here. It's called quiet quitting. Quiet quitters supposedly make up 50% of the U.S. workforce, maybe even more, according to Gallup polls. And the, and the idea is this, that there are millions of people who are refusing Maybe for good reasons, but maybe not many times, to go beyond, above and beyond at work. In other words, they're just trying to meet the minimum threshold and get out. And it's quite possible, the pollsters believe, that it's going to get worse. And it's a problem because most jobs require some level of extra effort to collaborate with coworkers. I'm getting some head nods from the managers out there who understand this. Some collaboration with coworkers to meet customer needs. In other words, there has to be some form of engagement with the others around you, and quiet quitters say, no, I'm just going to do the minimums and go. Of course, I have to ask myself, could the church, too, be affected by quiet quitting? And interestingly enough, Russell Moore, editor of Christianity Today, already had an article about it. And in his article, he was uh, talking to a 20 something now pastor. And the young man came to age over the last decade, and and, and this young pastor said, I can't remember a time in which social media trolling, institutional collapse, family dividing, and church-splitting politics, and rolling waves of scandal were not considered normal. And then Russell Moore says, This is precisely what I've feared all along regarding the integrity facing the church. I, of course, worry about those who leave the church in disgust, but I'm even far more worried about those who have come to see the present broken state of the church and of the country as normal. Wow. Uplifting message so far. But I want to raise the question, backing up just a tad, what does it mean then to be a member of McKnight Crossings? And Carrie said it in such a wonderful, wonderful way using her puzzle analogy, metaphor, and we've already seen it pictured up here with the leadership, and the young families, and our pledging to one another. And yet, as we look around, we notice who is not here, and we've had months now to come back, and we have a pretty good idea who is not coming back. Please don't hear me say that everyone who is not here has deserted us. Some are not here for health reasons. Some simply can't come back in person. Others have left for distance because just as nearly everyone in America has rethought their work. Will I drive into the office again? Or will I work from home? Or will I do a hybrid? Or will I take a new job with more flexibility In other words, there is a major rethinking of staying local that has set in, not to mention gas prices, okay? And we as a congregation are a part of that rethinking as well from a geographic process. Now, there was a member who was here last week at the picnic and said, there were a lot of people who stayed for lunch, but I really didn't know the church. In other words, this is an older member who had been here, but hadn't been back since COVID, and and now we're seeing a lot of transition and new faces. Our church has shifted. So with all of that, I think it's appropriate little series we're going to wedge in here, and then go back to the Gospel of Luke. What does it mean to be a member of MX. I called the calling the series together. And I believe in that request for membership or talking about being a member, we're not asking anything beyond that the Bible doesn't ask. Except maybe some paperwork for better communication. But better put our invitation and Uh, intention are captured in our mission statement. We want everything in this congregation and in the life of this congregation to flow from this mission statement, welcoming others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what we're doing. This is what we're about. Now, traditionally, the membership processes work something like this. A new family comes in and visits for a while, and then maybe the staff and an elder or shepherd couple meet with them, and they go over things like the mission that we just saw up there, and our values, and our doctrines, and our ministries, and, and our, what our leadership looks like, and what, what, what Sunday morning looks like. And then we have some member expectations. So I would like to hit on a few of those. And, and, and some of you now have been grandfathered in, because you didn't come in. You came in before the me- this membership process was, was put in place. You've just been around a long time, so you're just a me- you've been grandfathered in. But we call them member expectations, so maybe that would be good, even for those who have been grandfathered in, or particularly for you to hear what might happen as we sit down with a new family unit and what we might expect here at McKnight Crossing. Now this is not everything that's in the new member packet, which is quite a few pages and a lot of nice pictures, and I'm not going to show all that this morning of, 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 of our leadership and this and that, but here we go. The first one is to live faithfully, and the second, participate regularly, the third is to serve eagerly, the fourth is to give generously, the fifth is to speak positively, and the sixth is pray continually. You see what I mean? Those are all things Jesus calls us to. Let's look at just a couple of these this morning. Live faithfully. That seems benign enough, doesn't it? I mean, maybe even a bit boring up there. Easy to say, but hard to do. But our point here is that our intention is that first of all, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Your first allegiance, in fact, is not to this church, it is to Jesus. And but derived from that allegiance to Jesus comes your commitment to this body of people. But to have lived faithfully is to take the call of Jesus seriously, the first expectation of membership. And it assumes that, that you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, that you have turned away from your old life, from your life of sin, from a life in the world that you've accepted as Carrie has already helped us to see this morning, the cross of Jesus Christ as central to your identity. And then you've been baptized. You've been put into a relationship with, with Christ and with God and have been given the Holy Spirit, put, putting away the old and putting on the new, receiving the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Live faithfully. I want to give you a signature verse for this. And I love this verse. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is speaking, and he's speaking about himself as he's in, imprisoned. But he so he says, as a prisoner, even though he's in prison, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. He says, and I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The call is not my call. The call, first and foremost, is not the call of the leadership of this church. The call is from Jesus. He's called you into His life. And now as a response to that, can we live a life worthy of the calling that you have received? I believe that's the same call that Peter heard. That is the call that Matthew heard. That is the call of the woman at the well. That is the call of the man born blind. That is the call that Zacchaeus heard. That is the call of Paul on the Damascus road. It's a call into a new life as a follower of Jesus and in this we're pledging, Jesus, you're my Lord. Take direction of my life. Be in charge of all things. And it's a lifelong process of learning it and relearning it and relearning it. And it's not easy. But so far, so good? Let's go to number two. In our member expectations, we call it participate regularly. That's again, sounds a little amorphous. But, I mean, here's the point. Who can live the life that I've just talked about, the life following Jesus Christ, alone? Who can do it alone? I don't think anyone, really. We just aren't wired that way as social creatures. If there's anything I learned coming out of COVID, it's just just that I can't do it alone. I've had to have the help from many of you here. As much as we love our electronics, We're social creatures, and in the deeper parts of our soul, we understand this. But we see it in other areas of life. No one commits to a sport or to the military or to be a part of a band or a choir or a play, tries to go it alone. We know better. And yet, at the other side, I want to say, I understand life is hard, and our schedules are full, and our energy is often low, and our resilience is down, and sometimes our health is not so good, and our ability to see beyond our own needs is limited. That's why I, I don't want this to be a scolding, particularly of those who are here. But to live faithfully and to participate regularly and how often we, off, we treat the church assembly. Let's just talk about 9.30 on Sunday morning like the grocery store or the mall. I'll go this week, but I certainly don't need groceries every week. And it's all about me and my family and my time and my store, Aldi's, or whatever it is, my taste, and we go to the grocery store, guess what, we don't go to give. We don't go to build strong relationships with the checkout clerk or stop to tell the deli guy that he's really doing a great job or to ask the bag person how they're doing what he or she needs you see we're not a grocery store we're not the mall but the invitation of the New Testament is to love and care for one another and to be present to one another and to bear one another's burdens and to encourage one another. I'm inviting you and participate regularly to make a shift if you need to in the way you view what we're doing. To be a family is one of our seven values. And so we're going to keep promoting that. To the commit to the well-being of the members of the family requires participate regularly. It just does. Let's read a passage. For those of you who might have grown up in the church... This was probably a familiar one. It's an oldie, goody, goldie. But there is so much here. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. See, first of all, it's our, commission, our conviction and our, our allegiance to this confession of faith, our pledge of faith. For he, God, who promised, is faithful, and we need to remind one another of that, and how quickly I forget. So how are we going to do that? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. There it is. And all the more as the day approaches. The day of his coming. I love a couple of things in this text. That idea of spurring one another on. Spurring. I think you could say that is the focus, certainly, of the preacher's work. But I would say of your life. To spur one another on in the profession of faith that you've made. Not only to love, but it's really love ratcheted up. To consider how you can love. To encourage that love. To spur one another. In fact, the text says, consider. Let us consider how we may spur. That is, we spend time thinking about how we can encourage the body. We have a specific, active aim for getting together. And then the text says, and then keep on meeting. Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that's not. Sometimes that's rewarding. Sometimes it falls flat. Sometimes I like the songs. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes the speaker goes on too long. You see, some, even in their day, had fallen into this dangerous habit of not meeting. But the number one reason that we meet is to encourage one another to put our trust in the promises of God. That's what our text says. Now, Jeremy gave me a good analogy, and I'll be close here. This week, I was, we were talking about the sermon a bit, and he, he was saying, you know, online dating, it has just exploded I think most couples meet these days online. Perfectly good way to meet a a potential mate. And you can start a relationship with an online dating knowing a great deal about another person. And so that's a win. But I will say this, no healthy relationship wants to remain a digital one. At some point, we want to move beyond. We want to be together. We want to talk face-to-face, see face-to-face, connect face-to-face, sometimes tell the truth while we love face-to-face. We need to be encouragers of one another. It's a new day. We've made a shift in this congregation. We can pretty much see who we are going forward. I like the direction we're going. I want to remind you of what it means to be a member here at McKnight Crossing.